listening to Rio Bravo Q Week Podcast, your weekly dose of knowledge brought to you by Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program from Bakersfield, California, a UCLA-affiliated program sponsored by Clinica Sierra Vista. Let us be your healthcare home. This podcast was created for educational purposes only. Visit your primary care provider for additional medical advice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Rio Bravo Q Week. My name is Hector Ariasa, and I'm, I'm one of the faculty here in the Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program. And it has been a while since we had a topic about obstetrics. So today I'm very excited and very glad to introduce to you uh, Dr. Carmen Urso, who is an obstetrician from Venezuela and a candidate for the 2023 match. So thank you so much, Dr. Urso, for being here and, and for um, having this conversation with me. Uh, for some people, this conversation might, might sound very basic, especially for you, Dr. Urso, who is, uh, uh, you know, you are uh, an obstetrician. So um, it might sound very silly and very basic, but I'm sure that for many people who are in primary care, this um, episode is going to be interesting. So, Dr. Urso, can you introduce yourself? Let us know who you are and um, tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself. Hi, Dr. Arriaza. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me here. So I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. And um, well, I'm from Venezuela, an international medical graduate. I complete a residency in obstetrics and gynecology in Venezuela. And now I'm ready to apply in the March 2023. That's exciting for you. So, and I wish you good luck because I know that it's very competitive, but with the right people, the right contacts and the right application, you'll find your place. So we're going to start talking about pregnancy and we have 10 questions for you and hopefully we can have a, an interesting conversation about uh, what to do and what not to do during pregnancy. So let's start talking about vitamins. You know, when we have visits, uh, many of us as Family care physicians, family medicine physicians. I'm, I'm sorry. We uh, we do prenatal care. Many of us can do actually deliveries, and you'll be surprised. But some family physicians they do actually C-sections. So with the right training. So uh, let's talk about prenatal vitamins, Doctor Urso. What can you give? What can you tell us about prenatal vitamins? Well, yes, yes, doctor. I know now you say about the the family physicians. Uh, it's amazing how the family physician is here. We in Venezuela, we don't have family physician. And and now also interesting in family physician, they have everything, the OBGYN component that I love, plus everything is, is amazing. Well, first, I, I want to uh, say that you know, like everyone knows, pregnancy is one of the most exciting moments of a woman's life. But in the same time, it could be a little bit scary because whatever the mother does may affect the baby. This is why it's so important. And, and I want to also let everyone know that the information I present here is evidence-based. It's important to know that it's evidence-based because we hear so many things online. You know, we read so many fake news, so many, uh, you know, expert opinion. But I, I'm glad that you said that this is all evidence-based and it's 
you know, recommendation by the experts. Yes, and even with the the pregnancy thing, you can find a lot of stuff online, a lot of website, and you don't know exactly what is the right thing. Like you asked uh, the prenatal vitamins, what is the goal of the prenatal vitamin? Well, it's provide the vitamins and minerals needed to promote a normal fetal development. But there are some controversies. Some studies show that in high-income countries where the food is vitamin fortified and typical people are well, are well nourished, vitamin supplementation have no proof to improve maternal and neonatal outcomes. However, a Cochrane review of randomized trial in low- and middle-income countries with vitamins and mineral de de diet deficiency found that supplementation reduced the risk of low birth weight and small for gestational age. Well, because we don't know always the nutritional status of a patient, it is advised to use an startup prenatal vitamin. And it's good that you mentioned that because I guess the reality in different places in the U.S. and in different places in the world, you know, they are... That there is different sources of food and different um, composition of the, the the you know the fruits the vegetables that we eat in different places. So at least here in the U.S. we have a, a standardized the vitamins are in a, in a in a prenatal vitamin that is appropriate for us. And I was telling you before you know like in particularly in my clinic we probably have uh, some nutritional deficiencies. So that's why it's important to reinforce the importance of taking the prenatal vitamins. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, tell us about the most important vitamins that, that we can find in the prenatal vitamins. Well, the most important vitamins in the prenatal vitamins is folic acid, iron, vitamin D, and calcium. But the two most important that we have to keep in mind is folic acid and iron. Why folic acid? Folic acid reduces the risk of neural tube defect and the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology recommends between 400 micrograms to 800 micrograms daily, like I say, to reduce the risk of neural tube defects. And it is recommended to start before the pregnancy and until the end of the third trimester. When a patient has a history of fetal neural tube defect, they should have a higher dose, that is 4,000 microgram, which is four milligram daily. Okay, so this is also a USPSTF recommendation grade grade A uh, in 2017. So the grade A means that everybody should follow this recommendation. And, you know, they recommend that uh, people who are in age, when they can conceive, they can have babies, they should be taking a vitamin. So a joke that is common in our clinic is when you have a patient who is coming for a removal of an explanon and they decline any other birth control, you should prescribe folic acid because we don't know the patient, you know, <laughs> yeah. the patient might become pregnant and they need to be prepared for that time. Folic acid should be started at least one month before getting pregnant, according to the CDC. So let's remember that for all of us primary care people, start yes, giving folic absolutely. acid. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is why it's also so important the preconceptional evaluation so we can the patient can start taking the bite, the uh, folic acid. Well, now the other important uh, supplement is iron. So the ACO, the American College of Obstetric and Gynecology, recommend 30 milligram day to prevent maternal anemia. So 30? The formulation... Three, so you said 30, 30, 30, 30, right? 30, okay. 30. Okay. The formulation usually have contained between 15 and 30 milligrams. 
Okay, well, most prenatal vitamins contain about 30 milligrams, and I was reading about it, you know, which is considered a low dose, 30 milligrams. But uh, as I was telling you before, you know, there's different realities in different places in the U.S. 65 milligrams of elemental iron is the equivalent of 325 milligrams of ferrosulfate. So the regular tablet or iron tablet that we give in our clinic contains 65 mm -hmm. milligrams of element and, uh, elemental iron. And that's probably enough for a patient to carry on the pregnancy. If, you, if a patient has intolerance to the tablets, because those tablets sometimes can cause, you know, stomach discomfort. Constipation. <laughs> constipation. So if the patients are not able to tolerate, yeah. at least they should take it every other day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, the other vitamin that is recommended during pregnancy is the vitamin D. Because vitamin D deficiency is associated with preterm birth and preeclampsia. Between 200 and 600 international units are recommended. But the ACOT do not recommend the screening for vitamin D deficiency before or during pregnancy. Okay. So it's good that the prenatal vitamin have the vitamin D, but they don't recommend they to screening for deficiency. Okay. So the USPSTF was also very clear on that. They concluded that there is insufficient evidence to recommend for or against vitamin D deficiency screening in asymptomatic adults, and that includes pregnant people. So you don't need to screen anybody for uh, vitamin D, but like you said, you know, it's, in, it's important to supplement vitamin D during pregnancy. And this is a great eye recommendation uh, from the USPSTF. You know, not, do not screen anybody. Great eye means insufficient evidence. Yeah. Yeah. So it's important to well, remember also, that. also, mm -hmm. it's important to remember that. Also, the other thing that is important to have during pregnancy is calcium. The supplement should contain 1,000 milligrams, but most of them, they don't have 1,000. They have between 200 and 300 milligrams. The rest of the daily calcium should come from the dietary resources, sources, so through the food. The rest of the calcium should be given through the food. Foods rich in calcium include dairy products such as milk, yogurt, cheese, soybeans, seeds, beans, lentils, and dark green leafy vegetables like kale, spinach, and collard greens. Well, those, some of those foods, they sound very appetizing to me, but some are not. So have you tried collard greens, Dr. Urso? No, doctor. <laughs> well, collard greens, I haven't tried. collard greens are very bitter. <laughs> but another source of vitamin D that is important to remember is uh, sun, the sun exposure. So I do not recommend anybody to be exposed to the sun just to get vitamin D. But there is a lot of benefits, you know, to be exposed to the sun for, for other reasons like your mood and to having a nice color on your skin. But uh, vitamin D can also be obtained from the sun, from the uh, sun exposure. Yes, absolutely. The sun is perfect for the mood. Yeah. Now we're going to, we're we done with the prenatal vitamins, but now we're going to be talking about the food that a pregnant woman should be eating. The first question is the amount, the amount of food. Should I be eating for two while I'm pregnant, Dr. Urso? <laughs> well, this is a, a really common question. Pregnant thing that, okay, I'm pregnant, I'm going to eat whatever I want. I know it is a misconception. Pregnant women do not have to eat for food, for two. Calorie intake will depend on the number of fetus. 
for example, single of multiple, the trimester, the pre-pregnancy weight. During the first trimester, no extra calories are needed. So during the first three months, you don't need more food. But in the second trimester, a pregnant person will need between 340 extra calories per day. And in the third trimester, they will need 450 extra calories per day, which is could be a total 2,200 to 2,900 calories per day. It's not a lot calorie that you are going to add in the pregnancy. Okay. Okay. That sounds reasonable. Do not yes. eat a lot until you are later in the pregnancy. Unfortunately, when you are yes. later in the pregnancy, you have less stomach uh, space <laughs> to eat more, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Also, it's important to know the weight, um, the body max in the body mass index before the pregnancy, the pre-pregnancy body mass index. Okay. Because depending of that, the recommendations are different. For example, a patient who is overweight with a body max index of 2029, should gain between 15 to 25 pounds in the whole pregnancy. But a patient with obesity with a body mass index about 40 should gain between 11 and 20 pounds only. So these recommendations are by the National Academy of Medicine. So depends of your body max mass index is going to be the amount of weight that you're going to gain during the pregnancy. Okay. So just to summarize, overweight, 15 to 25. And if you are obese, if you have obesity, BMI above 30, you should gain only 11 to 20 pounds. Okay. So that's interesting. You know, if you are underweight also before pregnancy, that means if your weight is below 18.5, if your BMI is below 18.5, then you can gain about 30 to 40 pounds during the pregnancy. Honestly, I feel like that that's the average weight gain in a, in a normal pregnancy, you know, 30 to 40 pounds. I've seen it many times, but it says that it's reserved for people who are underweight. Right? Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Mm. But it's important because, you know, some studies have showed that weight above or below the National Academy Medicine recommendation is associated with high risk of adverse maternal and infant outcome. Let's say with the weight gain below the recommendation, it is associated with high risk of preterm birth and small for gestational age. And in the other way, or in the other hand, excessive weight gain and obesity have been associated with increased in C-section and macrosomia. Okay, so macrosomia, that's a good word. As we know, it is the result of hyperinsulinemia in the mother. So insulin does not cross the placenta, but the glucose and nutrients, they do. So the fetus has to produce more insulin to stay euglycemic. So that means to have normal glucose. So they produce more insulin, more insulin, that produces a lot of insulinemia in the fetus, and that produces more growth. So more sugar, more insulin, and more growth. That's why we have macrosomia uh, in obesity or in patients who are having a lot of food, a lot of carbs. Yes, yes. This is it's, it's so important to eat healthy and well-balanced diet. 
And if we see a patient that is gaining weight more than the recommendation, so find a dietitian, give the recommendation and try to to um, manage really well the, the weight. Yeah, and surprisingly, some patients, they might need to gain more weight. So, so can oh, I... Oh, yeah. Now, the next question, Dr. Urso, that we um, are going to discuss is uh, alcohol. Can I drink alcohol if I'm pregnant? Well, alcohol is a no, 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 because... There is no a safe level of alcohol uh, con- alcohol during pregnancy. So you don't know what is a safe level. And alcohol can cause lifelong birth effects. Even little amount can cause problems to the baby, such as coordination, behavior, attention, and learning disabilities. And with heavy drinking, alcohol can cause fetal alcohol syndrome, which is characterized by, characterized by developmental delay short stature, abnormal facial features, small head size, visual impairment, and hearing difficulties. Alcohol is unknown in the pregnancy. Okay. It's important to remind everyone, do not drink alcohol when you're pregnant. So the other drink that we are asked about frequently is coffee. So can I drink coffee? Oh, yeah. The coffee lovers always ask this question. Well, the thing with coffee is caffeine increases catecholamine level in the maternal blood and it crosses the placenta. And caffeine was thought to increase the risk of spontaneous miscarriage, but recently studies have shown that moderate caffeine intake was not related to miscarriage or preferred birth. So good news, you can have caffeine, but... American College of Obstetricians and Gynecology state that low to moderate intake, which is less than 200 milligrams, six ounces per day, like a one cup of coffee, do not appear to be associated with any adverse effects. But also remember, the caffeine could be fine in another food, in different foods, like drink sodas, tea. And before I, I forget, I want to give an example on how many uh, milligrams of caffeine can have a coffee. So eight ounce of a brew coffee has approximately 137 milligrams of caffeine. So one cup of coffee is okay during pregnancy. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to be hearing about like different foods with different amounts of caffeine. So, uh, but that's important to remember one cup of coffee will be okay for pregnant people. Unless you don't drink coffee, then you don't have to drink coffee during pregnancy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the other food that we're going to talk about, Dr. Urso, is going to be fish. So can I eat fish during pregnancy? Yes, yes. This is also a really common question. So fish, first we have to know that fish is an excellent source of omega-3, which is associated with improved development in children. Incre- decrease risk of preferred birth and reduce allergy and atopic disease. So fish have an excellent benefit, but also contain mercury, which can cause fetal neurological damage. All fish contain mercury, but some have more than others. This is why it's so important to know exactly what fish have more mercury content to avoid and what fish have low mercury content so you can have it. Okay, so... Fish is okay, but we're going to hear in a minute which fish will be good for you if you're pregnant. But let's talk about the amount. How much fish should I eat if I'm pregnant? Okay, yeah. The Again, the American College of Obstetrics and Gyne- Gynecology recommends 
two to three servings per week. Two or three, three, two or three servings per week of the, I, like I already say, the fish hood have low mercury content. Okay. All right. So two to three servings per week. I think that's more than... Yes. Than the average person in America. I don't know if we eat so many, yeah, so much fish, yeah. right? If you are a fish lover, listen to the following list. In pregnancy, it is recommended to eat fish that are high in omega 3s and low in mercury, such as anchovies, Atlantic herring, Atlantic mackerel, mussels, oyster, farmed and wild salmon, sardines, snapper, and trout. Two to three servings a week are acceptable. Seafood that is low in mercury and low in omega-3s includes shrimp, pollock, tilapia, cod, and catfish. Avoid fish that are high in mercury such as king mackerel, marlin, orange roughy, shark, swordfish, tilefish, and tuna big eye. Well, uh, what about the sushi? So we're going to talk about sushi. Sushi is, is yeah. a very interesting topic because, um, you know, people like sushi, but sushi is raw fish. So what, what can you tell us yeah, about that? This is the problem. The problem with sushi is that, you know, raw fish can carry bacteria and parasites. So it is recommended they do not have any raw fish. But pregnancy can have the cook option like a tempura sushi. And also the California roll. Don't forget that one. That one, mm, in, in, yeah, California roll. That one, all the ingredients are cooked except the cucumber and the avocado. So, California roll <laughs> is okay. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Another question, Doctor Urso: Can I exercise if I'm pregnant? Absolutely, yes. Exercise during pregnancy is recommended, but remember, if there are any complication, like uh, if the if the pregnancy have any complication, you have to talk with the doctor about the, the exercise but in general if the if the pregnancy is healthy it is recommended that you have moderate intensive aerobic exercise for 30 minutes between five to seven days a week so 30 minutes five to seven days a week and what is a moderate exercise mean that you can carry a normal conversation during exercise for example breeze walking gardening and dancing okay the benefits, the benefits of exercising during pregnancy go beyond maintaining a good weight, doctor. So exercises also decrease muscle discomfort, like, uh, you know, back pain, pelvic pain, also makes the pelvic floor strong and decrease the risk of urinary incontinence, which is a problem, it's a really common problem during pregnancy. And after pregnancy, right? So yeah, yeah. So it's good to exercise to have those pelvic floor muscles very strong. So and yes. of course there are there are exercises that should be avoided, right? What exercises should we avoid? Yes, absolutely avoid exercises with high risk of injuries. Sports with higher risk of injuries during pregnancy include skiing, horseback riding, scuba diving, skydiving, hot yoga, or hot Pilates for the risk of overheating. Okay, now that we heard uh, about the exercises, so let's talk about hot tubs and swimming. Well, hot tubs are not recommended during pregnancy, especially in the first trimester because 
higher body temperature has been associated with neural tooth defects and miscarriage. So no habitat for pregnancy. And even in the first trimester, no. And swim, but swimming, in the other hand, do not appear to have any teratogenic effect because pools are typically cooler than body temperature. So no hot dogs, swimming is okay in a pool. Okay, well, pregnant women or pregnant persons, they also like to do their hair. So can I dye my hair if I'm pregnant? <laughs> well, the hair is... Also an interesting topic. Everyone asks about that. Well, unfortunately, there is a limited data on safety of the cosmetic, but because it is a topical product, the system absorption is supposed to be low unless the skin is compromised. So you have to check the skin if your skin is okay. So the product is going to be topic, no systemic absorption, uh, but it's recommended to avoid ammonium-based products. We have the pre pregnant women should go to check for plant-based hair dyes because it is probably the safe. And there are also another... You mean the plant-based hair dyes? I didn't know there were any... Yes. There was such a thing, plant-based. Okay. Yes, plant-based hair dyes. And the other thing also that we recommend to a pregnant patient is use this product in a well-ventilated area to avoid allergies. Because sometimes this product could be really uh, strong. The smell is really strong. Yeah, the fumes and all those chemicals in your lungs and in your body, they should not be good. Yeah. Well, we're going to end this discussion, Dr. Urso, um, with a very common question, which is about sex. So sex um, is important in, in marriage life. So I want to just hear from you what you tell your patients about sex during pregnancy. Is it safe to have sex? Yeah, absolutely. It's a common question. And well, sex is safe if you don't have any complications. What are the complications? Like a placenta previa, vaginal bleeding, cervical incompetence, preacher labor, risk of preacher labor or leaking of amniotic fluid. If the patient don't have any of these complications that I already uh, mentioned, it's safe to have sex. But remember that, like in general population, there is a risk of sexual transmitted disease during pregnancy. So don't forget that. And also, I want to say that during the pregnancy, the vaginal circulation is increased and the cervix is more sensitive. So patient may have scant vaginal bleeding during intercourse, but if the bleeding is heavy, patient should be evaluated. Yeah. So, if you have sex and you have bleeding and the bleeding is a heavy bleeding, go to the doctor. Okay. And hopefully that doesn't happen very often. I'm, I hope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. So thank you so much, Dr. Urso. It has been a pleasure to hear from you, all your advice about different topics in pregnancy. And I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. So uh, stay tuned for more topics in the future podcast episodes. Thank you, Dr. Urso. Thank you, Dr. Arriaza. It was a pleasure for me to be here. Thank you, thank you. Bye-bye. Now we conclude our episode number 111, Pregnancy FAQ. Dr. Urso explained that pregnancy is one of the most exciting moments in a woman's life. Special care is needed to make sure both mother and baby are healthy and safe during this special time. Appropriate vitamin supplementation, a nutritious diet, adequate exercise, and avoiding alcohol are key elements of prenatal care. 
We were reminded that sex is generally safe in uncomplicated pregnancies. This week, we thank Hector Ariasa, Carmen Urso, Kagan Kuhner, and Ariana Lundquist. Audio by Adrian Silva. Even without trying, every night you go to bed a little wiser. Thanks for listening to Rio Bravo Q Week podcast. We want to hear from you. Send us an email at riobravoqweek at clinicasierravista.org or visit our website, riobravofmrp.org slash qweek. See you next week.